Good afternoon, everybody. It's good to be back over here uh, in good old Louisiana instead of Nebraska. Humidity is really nice uh, to have. It's great. Um, <laughs> guys, um, one of the things whenever I was teaching up there um, to the seminarians, we spoke about uh, the sacraments. And we spoke about the beauty of the bride. Right? That as men that are um, hopefully destined for priesthood, that they're not just a bunch of you know, uh, celibate guys that just like to help people, but they actually have a fecundancy, a fruitfulness in their celibacy, and that we have a bride. I was married to the church whenever I laid my life down um, and became a priest. There's a true spiritual, mystical marriage that takes place between the priest um, and the church. And it's real. It's not this thought or like, oh, poor guys, we're going to you know, make them feel a little bit better <laughs> by letting them feel like they're married to the church. No, it's real. It's absolutely real. And, and many times, whenever you think about a marriage, um, think about that moment where the bride walks down the aisle, right? You don't have to do anything. Her beauty just captivates everybody. Everybody stands up, and they're like, whoa, here she is. She's beautiful, right? And in the same way, we see the beauty of the bride, the bride of Christ, the church, right? I think sometimes in our past... Uh, we've tried to strip the beauty of the bride, right? We've tried to make her look like all the other religions. Let's make her, let's bring in this hip-hop music and let's bring in these things. Um, and we've stripped her of her beauty. What's the beauty of the church? Number one, it's the sacraments. If we, if we do the sacraments well, the beauty of the bride will shine brightly. What are the little earrings and the makeup of the beauty of the bride? It's the devotions that we have, the devotion to the sacred heart the candles, the Eucharistic adoration, all those things are devotional. That's those little extras on the bride that they not necessarily have to be there. She doesn't have to wear earrings, but they, they make her look a little nicer, right? And so we see in the same way that the church also is beautiful. And whenever we really show people the beauty of the bride, we don't have to make her look like everybody else. We don't have to Protestantize the Catholic church, Okay. And so I think it's important that we realize these things, right? Because you do a beautiful liturgy and people are just going to come. They're going to be like, oh, I don't know what just happened in there, but that was beautiful. You see, beauty is one of the attributes of God. And if we can show the beauty of the church, it will leave you breathless. So one thing um, that I'm going to do today after Mass is going to be, I'm a, um, any of you that need the anointing of the sick, I would do the anointing of the sick. When do we do the anointing of the sick? Well, number one, it's a sacrament, right? And the church defines the sacrament in a beautiful, awesome way. It uses the image of the woman who reaches out and touches the garment of Jesus, the woman with hemorrhages, right, bleeding for 12 uh, years. And as whenever she experiences Jesus, she reaches out and Jesus stops in his tracks and he says, Who touched me? Right? And they said, Well, Lord, everybody's touching you. Everybody's bumping into you in the streets. And he says, no, I felt power come out of my body. And that's the image the church uses for a sacrament. So we have the seven sacraments, right? And so when you think of a sacrament, that's what happens in every single sacrament. Marriage, priesthood, baptism, anointing the sick, etc. It's power that comes out of the body of Jesus for our healing. That's how the church defines a sacrament, Right? And so we could go through every sacrament and reveal to you and show you how does power come out for your healing, right? So with the anointing of the sick, I'll never forget um, the first time I had to do the anointing of the sick when I was just a baby priest. I was, I was just a, a month or two old. And I must have been sick at the, uh, 
at the seminary whenever they taught us how to do the anointing of the sick because I didn't know how to do it. And so thank God I was, li- I was living with Bishop Sam at the time. And so I was in the kitchen and I'd gotten the phone call and he was right there eating his cereal with chocolate milk. I don't know how he does that, but he eats it with <laughs> chocolate milk. Um, and I was like, uh, Bishop, I said, I have to go do the anointing of the sick. He was like, okay. I said, can you teach me? <laughs> He's like, you didn't learn how to do that in the seminary? I was like, I must have been sick because I didn't, I didn't learn. So anyway, he taught me how to do the anointing of the sick, and it was really amazing. And so when do you get the anointing of the sick? Well, any time that you're like really sick, like do you have a headache? Okay, that's not when you need the anointing of the sick. But if you're about to go in for surgery, you want to get the anointing of the sick. If you've got terminal illnesses, you want to get the anointing of the sick. Um, if you're in danger of death, you want to get the anointing of the sick, right? And many times whenever we walk in, because some of the older um, uh, prisoners, you'll, you'll remember this, you only got it, it was called the last rites. You only got it when you were fixing to die. And so many, t- many times I'll go to the hospitals and if there's an elderly person, I walk in to anoint them, they don't want me in there. They're like, I don't need you. Like, Go. I'm like the Grim Reaper walking in because they think the minute, the minute I anoint them, boom, Jesus is coming for them, right? So um, I kid you not, I've been turned away plenty times. But so just to put that out of your mind, that's not what the anointing is about. Like if you, if you really um, are sick and in need, I've, I've received the anointing of the sick many times. Um, and so that's who it's for. Um, so, and the second thing is what does it do? Well, only a priest can do the anointing. A deacon can't. Why? Well, because it involves the forgiveness of sins, right? So, so if you are sick and you're terminal and you can't speak, right? Say maybe you're unconscious. The bride, the priest, <clears throat> speaks for you, right? He forgives you of your sins. And I have a friend of mine that was, she had a stroke, and she heard the doctor say, you better call a priest because she's not going to make it through the night. And she ended up making it, and now she's healed and all kind of fun stuff. Long story. Anyway, she recounts the, that moment. And whenever the priest came in to anoint her, she was like, I knew that I was forgiven. She said, because the church gives the forgiveness of sins. And that she said, it was so good to know that when I couldn't speak, the church was speaking for me. I was like, that is so cool, right? So it, it involves the forgiveness of sins, number one. So if you, if you can go to confession, we always have to say, hey, go to, you know, would you like confession? Great. And then we anoint. Um, we're going to do the anointing of the sick in a general way, so if you can get to confession within the next you know, few days, that would be great. Um, so that's one of them. And it also, uh, because it involves the forgiveness of sins, there's a healing that happens. Sometimes it's physical. I've seen cancer disappear after anointing the sick. So I've seen a baby's heart that was enlarged and he wasn't supposed to live completely go back to normal within a matter of an hour or so. I've seen beautiful, beautiful healings that have happened. Um, but I've also predominantly seen just a peace, a trust, the anxiety's gone, um, strength to endure whatever sufferings that they have, right? And it also brings people together. Like at the anointing of the sick, man, at that moment, um, gosh, family comes together and there's powerful things that happen. And it can also save a person at the last minute, right? Jesus on the cross. Remember, this day to the good thief, this day you're going to be with me in paradise. I've been a part of those taken that soul out of Satan's hands at the last minute many times, right? To where you go in and they're unconscious and you know that this is, this is it for them and the priest can go in and through the anointing of the sick, forgive sins and, uh, and save that soul for Christ. 
So it's really a powerful sacrament. Another thing in, involved with the sacrament is if you see that the person is near death. There's what they call the apostolic pardon. And I never knew this until I was about two years old as a priest. I was like, again, I missed it in class, right? It's the pardon of the apostles. And this one blew my mind. What it does is that if they are about to die within you know, hours, you can do the pardon of the apostles, which wipes out any sins in this life and any punishments in the life to come. So no purgatory time. You go straight up. God's love is reckless. <laughs> Absolutely reckless. And He's given the church every gift necessary for the salvation of souls. And so we just need to show the beauty of the bride and give the sacraments um, out in an awesome way, in a profound way. So that's what we're going to do at the end of Mass today, um, is just to do an anointing of the sick. So if you're in those stages where you, you need the anointing, we're going to do that right after Mass. I'll go and say some goodbyes, and then we'll come up here and anoint the sick. Sounds like a plan? And if you want to just stay and witness it, it's a public sacrament, so you're welcome to stay and just witness and pray uh, with those who can be anointed. Amen?